0: Hello, everyone. This is John Montoya.
1: And this is John Parings.
0: We are Infinite Banking authorized practitioners and hosts of the fifth edition. Episode 63. In this episode, we're going to talk about whole life insurance policy rates. As many policyholders have been notified recently, policy loan rates have gone up as of January 1st, 2023. Is this a bad thing? We'll discuss. John, what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, a lot of people are getting letters in the mail uh, telling them that their their policy loan interest rates are are going to be going up, uh, effective at the beginning of the year. Uh, this is across the board for the most part. It's not just uh, particular carriers. And the reason for that is uh, interest general interest rates are going up. And um, so, I, I would say the. First of all, the reason we decided to do this episode in the first place is because we're obviously getting some calls, asking questions about how asking us questions about how this works. And so, you know, you typically will see, um, depending on the carrier, some carriers will offer, um, a fixed interest rate. A lot of carriers offer variable interest rates. A couple carriers offer both, and you can kind of decide, um, at the time you take the loan, which way you want to go, um, so for mostly for those variable rate holders, the, the rates are, are going up. And some carriers handle these increases differently. So that there are carriers that just raise rates anytime they want. And then there are others that will only do it annually. Um, and I'm sure there's there are some carriers that do it in between, right? And so uh, we wanted to do this episode because we're getting, you know, again, we're getting a lot of calls asking about it and wondering what the effect is going to be. Um, on what they're doing with infinite banking. And obviously the first effect is that you're going to pay higher interest on policy loans. Duh. Um, But that's not necessarily a bad thing compared to what's going on out in the, in the general interest rate environment. And so if we look at the prevailing interest rate environment, well, actually, if I can, let me go back and talk about how interest rates have been looking for the past, I don't know, call it 10, 15 years. And for a while for infinite banking, the prevailing interest rates you could get from a bank were typically significantly lower than a policy loan interest rate. Um, Maybe as much as like a couple of points lower or or a couple hundred basis points lower. Um, And so the, it was a, a discussion that had to be had where people were like, well, if I, if I can get a 3% loan from a bank, why would I borrow money from my, against my policy loan, my cash value? Why would I use a policy loan at 5%? That doesn't, how does that make sense? And of course there are are different answers to that. Some of them are, you know, um, more softer principles based the numbers though. Like of course a 3% loan is better than a 5% loan if all things are equal, obviously that's not the case. I mean, with, with policy loans, you have, you know, the freedom to pay back whenever you want, there's no payback terms. So some of those benefits are there, but it was always a discussion of why, why wouldn't I just use a bank? And of course, you know, John and I have talked about, you know, shopping for your best money. Um, and so maybe it's not the right move to use a policy loan. Maybe the best move is to use a bank loan, but, uh, we're starting to see some things change as interest rates are going up. We're starting to see, uh, an arbitrage happen again, similar to how, how things were in 2000 when becoming your own banker first came out. So if you read becoming your own banker by Nelson Nash, which is again, is the source material for everything we're talking about. So if you haven't read it, you need to read it. But in the book, there was some significant arbitrage between the going bank rate you could get at a bank and what you could get from your policy loan. All right. So in in the book, he uses the example of buying cars or financing equipment. And so there would would be um, the the policy loan rate was lower than what it was that you could get from a bank. And so we're starting to see some shift there where that might be happening again.
0: Yeah. And I think just to keep Things simple, and especially for the people who are learning about IBC for the first time, and they may be wondering, you know, interest rates because they are increasing. Does IBC does IBC still make sense? And one of the things I could hear Nelson still saying, um, if he were around today, is that interest rates are relative. When rates are high for borrowing, they're also going to be higher for saving. So the fact that interest rates have increased. Uh, on policy loan rates, you know, it it's it's not across the board a bad thing because what's going to happen is that the, the interest rates for saving is also going to increase. Now, I know most people uh, don't have uh, or haven't seen what the policy rates, the dividend rates were, you know, in the 80s um, in particular, that was a really high interest rate environment. Well, I remember looking at older policies, uh, even early in my in my career, uh, seeing where, where the dividend rates were in the 80s. And it was quite unbelievable to see that they were like 14, 16%. Um, and that was during a high interest rate environment. Why? Well, interest rates are relative. When rates are higher for borrowing, they're also higher for saving. So even though for policyholders right now, they've seen their policy loan rates jump from five to five and a half percent, or five point seven percent, depending on the carrier. It's it's relative. Again, what's going to happen is that the the maturities that the life insurance companies are investing those premium dollars in, they're going to roll over, and they're going to roll over into. Uh, long-term debt instruments that are also paying a higher yield. So what ends up happening over time is that the the dividends that you receive as a policyholder that come from the surplus profit, they're going to increase in step. So remember, interest rates are relative. When rates are higher for borrowing, they're higher for saving. So the dividend scale will start to increase in the future. You're going to, you're going to start to see that if you have your whole life policy. So it's, it's not a bad thing. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that IBC doesn't work because at the end of the day, what is IBC about? It's about controlling your banking function. And where's the best place where you can control that function? John and I were talking at pre-show about, you know, VULs, um uh, um, and we've talked about using line of credits um, as a potential place where you can practice IBC. We, we've talked about that in previous episodes. You know, it, it's it's not that you can only do IBC for whole life policies, and and that's what whole life is meant for. Uh, not not at all. You can actually practice the banking function with other financial products. But the the real question to ask is what makes whole life superior to practice ibc and what makes it superior is the fact that you have this fixed component of mortality cost the the level premium guaranteed for life you have the transfer of risk that is transferred Uh, from you to the insurance company, these mutual-based companies that are guaranteeing that every single year a cash value is going to increase in value so you never have to worry about a margin call or you never have to worry about your underlying asset going down in value or going backwards. Uh, These are the reasons why we recommend only whole life for IBC. If you're going to practice IBC, it's got to be a whole life policy. So interest rates going up, Okay, it, it doesn't change anything because, you know, to your point, John, uh, you know, shopping for the money, we all have to do that. And if you give yourself more options When you go to shop for the money, you're going to be better off as a consumer than the person who only has one option. And that's the, you know, the, the the traditional bank who gets to set the terms, the payment terms, and they're going to, you know, say the interest rate is this, and you got to live with those terms come hell or high water. And here's a secondary option that you can have fully under your control because you are the policy owner right? The insurance company is going to put you first above everybody else. So if you need access to a loan, you got guaranteed access. If you need to change your payment structure to repay a loan instead of, you know, three years, you got to stretch it to a fourth year or a fifth year. It's completely up to you. You, you own, you know, Mm -hmm. you, you own this policy, you control your cash flow and interest rates. Again, they're just relative.
1: So true. And you know, just getting back to the control and um, you know, IBC is about, again, controlling the banking function, but what does that mean? That means you're giving yourself options to take advantage of opportunities that come your way rather than react to them. So one of the big problems with typical financial planning is everyone's kind of locked into a certain trajectory. They have very few options. Once the market starts doing whatever the market's gonna do, um, they're in reaction mode. And so um, I'm not, again, we're, we're not bashing, you know, having some money in the market or anything like that, if that's what you want to do. But what we're doing is we're creating options for ourselves to do whatever is best for us at the time, um, based on what's happening. And, um, you know, the the idea that, well, John said something else, and it, and, and it's not about the rate. Just like whole life insurance is not about the rate of return, right? It's about um, controlling the banking function and giving yourself the ability to um, do all the things that the banks are going to do for you, but under your um, terms. So um, we have a reminder in here that taking policy loans, you know, does not, it's not the policy loan itself that helps your policy grow faster, right? It's, It's the it's the, it's paying a premium, (laughs) you know, so I was kind of thinking of this longer way to explain it. Paying a premium is what makes your policy grow. It's not, it's not taking loans. And um, if, if we start to think that way and we start to go back to a savings mindset, you know, these low interest rates were great for people borrowing money, but they're horrible for savers. You know, all the savers out there have been getting crushed over the last decade with these insanely low interest rates and so we're we're kind of steering things back to and so i'm actually kind of happy interest rates are going up because for most people this is going to be a huge boon to most people who are who who need to save that's the number one thing Your another way to think of this is your income your ability to earn an income is your greatest asset and if you can save more of that and you're incentivized to do so I think it's a great thing because as John said, interest rates are relative. So whatever the interest rates are out there, to borrow money, we know, um, we're going to be more efficient savers at the same time. And the more we save, the more opportunity can come our way. Because what does it say in the book? Uh, he who has the golden rule, he who has the gold makes the rules. So if we can be more efficient savers using whole life insurance, which is a, just a strategic place to store cash, um, how much more effective can we be out there regardless of what the going rate of interest on a loan is?
0: Yeah, well said. Well said. Um, and I like that we did put that reminder in, in our notes to discuss about uh, you know taking loans does not magically uh, help your policies grow faster. I, um, it's definitely a, a misconception for a lot of new people coming into IBC. Uh, but you just gotta remember or at least try to understand that you have to separate the premium paying process from the the loans that you take and repaying those loans. Um you have to have cash flow for both. Right. And one of my rules of thumb when taking a policy loan is if I can't pay it back, I shouldn't take the loan. And this works in real life too, because you know if you if you go to the bank asking for a loan, and you can't pay it back. Well, they're going to ask you to document your income, your assets, your FICO scores. Why? Because it's probably a uncollateralized loan, and so they they have they they need all these uh, verification um, to to determine whether you're you know a high quality borrower um, because you know the the higher. the the higher credit scores you have, well, the lower risk you are of defaulting on that loan. Well, when when you take a, a loan from your policy, there's none of that verification. You know, they, the insurance company is not going to ask you for your income, your assets. They already did all that, um, through the application. Um, there's no FICO score that they're going to check. Uh, the reason being your cash value is the collateral for the loan. And should you happen to pass with the loan outstanding? Well, guess what? The death benefit is going to pay off that loan and the difference is going to transfer to your beneficiaries tax-free. So it's completely self-completing, but you just have to keep in mind, you know, that loan that you take from the policy, you need to be honest with yourself. You need to be an honest banker. One of the other tenants that we, we hit on a lot in this podcast is, you know, Nelson would always encourage, I mean, not, not even encourage. I mean, you would demand it of you. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of the, uh, four things, you know, um, when it comes to IBC and I, I was actually thinking about this earlier this week, kind of testing myself, you know, what, what are the, the four requirements for IBC one, think long-term two, don't be afraid to capitalize three, be an honest banker. All right. My point here. And then four, start eliminating traditional banks from your life. Well, you can do that when you get started with IBC, because it gives you that secondary option. Now, now you can shop for the money. And if you take a policy loan, be an honest banker. Right. So, uh, it was kind of a a good exercise this week to quiz myself. What what are the four things again about IBC? You know, what are the four requirements? Oh yeah, there
1: you go. Yeah. It's such, it's such sage advice. And, you know, to, to your point about you know, making sure you can pay the loan back, you know, a lot of people jump into IBC and unfortunately, you know, you, all these TikTok videos and everything of people, you know, kind of misapplying the whole IBC principle and just talking about getting rich on whole life insurance and all this stuff. It's, it's, it's really unfortunate because, you know, I'll talk to people, especially younger people who are, you know, more on that platform and kind of get sucked into that idea. And they, they're like, how soon can I take a loan? And because they're, they're missing the whole point of uh, the fact that it's not the loan that is making this powerful. It's a feature that we can use to make what we're doing more efficient. Um, but it, it, it's not about borrowing instantly like there It's a real loan. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, like, uh, it, it's not free money out there. And so What, when you said, make sure you can pay the loan back, I was kind of, it sort of triggered in my head, like we're, what we're doing with, with infinite banking, what's the book called? It's becoming your own banker. And so if you're going to become your own banker, you need to be an honest banker, like you were just saying. And so if, if you're going to be the banker for your own financial, uh, life, that means you have to underwrite yourself, and so I was kind of thinking of the underwriting process, and you know, going to a bank and qualifying for a bank loan. Well, you know, we should qualify ourselves for our own for the use of our own capital as well. We shouldn't just go out there and and just you know pull money out willy nilly, um, or or, bar- or borrow against willy nilly, um, uh, you know, based on just whatever whatever the whim is at the time. Uh, we should underwrite ourselves and make sure that what we're doing, the there's cash flow to pay that loan back.
0: Agreed. And just thought of something. I had an email come in from an existing client who asked me how much cash value he had, like available loan amount. And so I checked for him and let him know and let him know what the process is just as a reminder how to go ahead and and request a loan. And I sent him that email and then I followed up with another email 10 minutes later, because it dawned on me, you know, I, um, I told him how much he could take out of his policy, but I didn't share one of my personal golden rules, which is, you know, don't, don't borrow more than 50% of your total cash value. And so I, I sent him that email, Uh, Real quick, and said, you know, my personal rule of thumb is, you know, this 50% rule. And he replied back and said, Why is that? And I said, in this email, because life happens. And I gave him a a brief rundown on the situation with my wife and, you know, how having the access to additional cash values, because we didn't, you know, take out 99% of our cash values to go, you know, all in on, An investment or whatever the case may be you know we we always keep ample reserves just because you have the available cash value there doesn't mean you should necessarily use all of it uh, because life throws us curveballs and if we're not prepared man that's when life will just spit you out and so just a reminder for everyone um, just because you have the cash value doesn't mean that you should utilize all of it i mean if you absolutely absolutely have to and it's a it's a life event of course but if you're jeopardizing tomorrow um you know for what you feel is a is is a great investment today i, I would caution you to to really think long and hard about risking really everything and you know, you shouldn't have all your eggs in one basket anyway. And so, um, you know, for for maybe some people with IBC, um, their, their life savings make up a, a good amount of, you know, cash values. Well, still balance it out with everything that you have in your portfolio and just always put yourself in a position where you have access to cash is my main point.
1: That's awesome. And I, I was actually um, just working on a LinkedIn post because, you know, so much of the prevailing mindset around finances is around rate of return and it is a useful metric of course rate of return but it's kind of vulgar in a way where uh, the everyone that's the only thing people think about so when they're looking at life insurance they're evaluating the rate of return and so I was thinking like, you know, what's, what's the, how did you calculate, how did you calculate in the divorce you're going through in your rate of return of whatever you're doing, however you're calculating, how did you calculate in a sick spouse or how did you calculate in, you know, getting in a car accident and not being able to work, you know, for several months or, or maybe ever. Right. And so the, this, this narrow focus on rate of return really misses a lot of, um, what happens in life. And so to your point, life happens and how, how are you going to be able to, to take advantage of, of opportunities or opportunities or, or areas where you need some help? How, how can you be in the best position possible? And guess what? Cash helps a lot with that, uh, from a financial perspective, right? So, um, the, I, I it, it's a, it's a, we're getting a little bit off topic here, but it's like with everything going on with the economic downturn, with layoffs, everyone once again is being reminded somehow they forgot since 2008 and or two, and 2000. You and I, John, lived through both of those times. Somehow people forgot over the last 10 years that the market doesn't always go up. It may not be the world's, world's worst idea to have a bunch of cash sitting around so you can get by if, if something happens to your job. And um, you know, it and it's unfortunate that that people, you know, I've had so many conversations with people over the years, over the last five years, especially, where there's just been this disdain for holding on to cash because you're not earning any money on it. And um meanwhile, co you know, 2020 happens, COVID happens, layoffs are happening, and now I think people are maybe remembering why it's a good idea to hold on to some cash. And so, you know, another way to talk about what John's talking about. So he has that golden rule of never borrowing more than half. Um, I love that golden rule. And another way I'll describe it or another option is as long as you have an emergency fund. And if I could wave a magic wand, everyone would have at least a year's worth of income, in cash and where's the best place to sort that of course whole life insurance if you have a years if you have a good emergency fund then everything over that becomes your opportunity fund and so just two ways of saying the same thing um uh as what John's saying
0: yep totally agree well we're we're getting into more than what we planned in, in this episode so probably a uh at a good point, unless you've got anything else
1: you want to add, maybe uh, we can close it out here. No, it's good. Yeah, let's close it out. And just to recap, so you know, with interest rates going up, what's actually happening? So yeah, loan rates are increasing, but what we're going to see is dividends will start to dividends typically trail the going interest rates. So we're going to start div, we're going to start seeing dividends increase as well. So loan rates are higher, but savings ra- savings rates are also higher. So what we're saying is interest rates are relative. And so don't don't uh, be concerned about the going rate. The rates are going to be what they're going to be out there in the world. Um, and uh, we we're, we're still in a good position to take advantage of things uh, by implementing the infinite banking concept. So, uh, if you if you like what you're hearing and you want to want to get more information, you can head over to thefifthedition.com. And right there, you can uh, schedule a free 30-minute appointment with John or or myself, and you can find out how this could apply in your life. Or if you're one of those people that likes to just do all the online research first before talking to anyone, we have a 50% discount on our online course, and you can get that right at thefifthedition.com. Good topic today, John. Thanks.
0: Yeah, it was fun. It feels like it's been a while since we've sat down and and uh, talked and recorded an episode uh, with the holidays, so good to get back on it. And uh, for everyone out there, thank you so much for listening. It really does mean a lot to us. And if uh, I could encourage you to uh, leave us a rating or review, if you're getting value from our show, uh, please, uh, please do leave us a, a rating and review because that's what helps us to share this information with a wider audience. So thank you in advance and look forward to connecting you on the next episode, John.
1: See you everybody.